This is a Dragon Blazer production. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I know it's been a very long time, but we're back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As always, I have my co-host with me. Stefan. There he is. All righty, guys. Now today, I don't know if you guys are aware, we did go through a name change. We are no longer Unsolved Comedies. We are now That Got Dark, a true crime podcast. So we can do more than just unsolved things. Yay. Yay. And guess what you're doing? Something unsolved, aren't you? I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am actually doing this case. Oh, Jesus. This case took my whole being down a rabbit hole. Like, down <laughs> the rabbit hole. I fell down. I couldn't get back up. I needed a life alert. I needed a life alert button. Like, it, it's bad. <laughs> but I will give a little bit of a trigger warning. This case does have a lot of conspiracies and a lot of, um, you know, craziness, but most, um, most of all, it does have some talk about sex trafficking, sexual abuse and things like that involving children. So those things, they don't do. What is it? You and the babies. The babies. This one. Can we have a this good? This a little bit older. This one's a little bit older. His name is um, Johnny Gosh. He was 12 oh. when he went missing. That's still not good. No, it's not good, but it's better than eight-year-olds. Can't we just have a good old-fashioned 28-year-old murder, rape, something, you know, nice and fun? I mean, the next case I want to cover is two little girls that died, but there's also an adult. Oh, bloody hell! (laughs) Oh. There's also an adult that died. That adult just happened to be pregnant with a third child. Oh, Jesus! Even worse! (laughs) (laughs) So A murder abortion. Murder abortion. Actually, I think the guy's name that we're going to cover on the next podcast is Chris Watts. I think he actually got charged with unlawful termination of a pregnancy for killing his wife. So, you know, that's always good. Um, <laughs> seems like, can we just have something not children related? I know. Why don't we sweet baby angels and you're just murder. You just talk about one, like pick some normal ones. 
I, I well, this want... one's not murder. This one is not murder. This one, I had to give that trigger warning at the beginning so that there was no, no, just, that like just children sex trafficking. That's so much better. That means this child, have... this child might be surviving right now and had his whole life tortured. That's worse. I mean, if he's alive, more power to him. He's been missing. I think the last time I checked, it was for. 38 years or something like that. He's been missing for a really long time. Like this kid. So, you know, John Walsh, right? The guy that did um, America's Most Wanted. Yeah, I know the show. This kid went missing one year after John Walsh's son. So this is in that time frame. I just want so, some normal. I just want some normal adult related murder and raping and you know, stuff to where we don't have to feel as bad as these poor sweet baby angels. I mean, that's fair. One of the reasons I wanted to cover this one, though, is because this this month is, um, I think it's Human Trafficking Awareness Day on the 11th or something like that. So there was a reason to covering this case because sometime during this month, there's a Human Trafficking Awareness Day thing. So figured it would be, you know, reasonable to cover that during this month since it is... I think Hosea yeah. just hates kids. I love kids. You have no <laughs> idea. Like I told Davey, he's got five years to settle in and get ready to have kids or I'm going to start bitching. <laughs> he just want to talk about all the child sadness, all the sadness in the world of babies. I think that I have so much like this case was so interesting to me because I was almost abducted three separate times when I was a kid. Oh, once when I was like a newborn, once when I was two, and I think another when I was no, the other one had to happen when I was six because my sister was born. And like we were at Walmart or at Kroger, and my my mom started looking for me, and this guy had made it all the way out to the parking lot to like his truck with me because you know he told me that there were puppies in the truck, and I assumed that there were actually puppies in the truck. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Teardrops. That's what I was That's looking right. for. <laughs> All right. So before you get started, so, do you want to talk about a review we got on iPhone? On the iPod? I would love to talk about the iTunes review that we got because, guys, let me tell you, this guy ripped Steven a whole new ass. Nope, 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 no. Nope. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> that is, that is, that never happened. I don't know. What? What? I mean, no, no, no. Let me read you. This is is a fantastic (laughs) review. I don't know why you got to have so much negative negativity put up on this. Uh, I think it's just a great review. It's it's just a great review. Um, Give me one second. We're going to get to it. Here it is. Um, Where, where is it? Nope. Nope. Got to just figure this out. You just uh, talk amongst yourselves. Uh, talk amongst yourself. Go amongst ahead. yourselves. Yeah, we just gotta. Find you mean like talk to myself since it's just me? Okay. That's right. Uh, have that a really conversation related. with yourself. It's fantastic. It's okay. Just talk. You know that's all good until I start responding. Once you start responding to yourself, it has to be reported. Like I don't know if you know that, but um, it's okay when it's on a podcast. Rules. On a podcast, you're acting. <laughs> On a podcast, you're acting. Okay. That's right. And uh, if my yes. 
my internet would like to work on here, I will gladly read this very good review that with no negativity whatsoever. I don't know what Kazaya is talking about. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever realized this. Is um, a little bit of drama, little a little bit of drama over there. Just a little bit. Well, <laughs> what 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 drama? There's drama. drama. And, uh, I so, mean, you don't want to talk about the whole review. So what? I just uh, I, right now I just would like it to load. Okay, so are we ready? I got it. I'm ready. Go for it, buddy. All right. So this person gives us five stars, which is good because I don't I, I don't think the other stars works. It's it's five stars or nothing. Um, good podcast. Five stars or nothing. Good podcast. This this was uh, made on August twentieth, twenty twenty. Uh, by DJ SX String. And he says, I love the humor of this podcast. That's it. That's all it says. That's just fantastic. I love the humor of this that podcast. That is not all it that says. Is, that I is absolutely. something in there about you play too much devil's advocate. Maybe no, 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 no. That's crazy. You're wrong, but I believe. Fine. Fine. <laughs> I'll crazy. read the whole thing. I love the humor. <laughs> I love the humor of this podcast. I just sometimes would enjoy it if the male host didn't have to play contrarian so often. I like when people play devil's advocate, but he seriously argues about details for way too long. Wait, what's going on here? No, I don't want to talk to Siri. Uh, (laughs) I don't want to talk to Siri. He seriously argues about details for way too long to the point that I stop caring about what is being discussed. I like the back and forth, but could deal with less of his critical approach to every damn thing she says. Who cares if she says the names of people in the West Memphis Three case before she discusses them in depth? If we have forgotten, she said she was going to mention them when they come up again anyway. Don't be a negative Nancy all podcast long. Well, DJ SX Yeah, you hear that, Mr. Negative Nancy? Um... (laughs) We do appreciate the review. If you guys ever want to, please leave us more reviews. We love getting them. It actually, like, when Steven sent me that one, it made my whole day because, like, I was at work and he texted that to me. I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. <laughs> he got a review. Yeah. <sighs> um, well, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but me and Kazea fighting is part of my favorite part of this podcast, so that's probably not going to slow down. But I do thank you for the the first line of that review. I love it. I mean, I love the humor of the podcast. That's all we need to be focused on. That is the important part of that review. Oh, I mean, yes. You just, you just like it because this man is like trying to defend you. He's like a superhero for you. He's like coming in and saving the day for you. I mean, I think that's sexist. I think he just doesn't like men. I doubt that if he is a man. I mean, like, we don't know. He could be a woman. But, you know, I just, you know, I'm just saying. What are you talking about? Women love me. It's obvious. Alrighty, are you man. ready to? Okay. Well, I am not going to comment on that because I don't want to be interested. No. Um, all right. 
Damn. Are we ready to get into – I got a title for this one too. The title for this one is good. The First Milk Carton Boy. I don't know if you guys know this because, you know, there's people that are younger than me. I'm 21, and there's people that are younger than me that listen to our podcast, and uh, it it makes me feel old. <laughs> like, you know, talking about Conjuring movies last night, and the Conjuring movies are, like, 10 years old, and that makes me feel horribly old. It's disgusting, right? Okay, now that we've gotten that out of the way. Back in the day, in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, they would put faces on milk cartons of people that were missing, right? Like paper milk cartons. They would put faces on them, right? This is the first boy to ever be on one. And I think he got on one in the 80s. I think he got on the milk carton in 1984 because he went missing in 1982. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Johnny Gosh is his name. He was born on November 12th. 1969, which means he's only one year younger than my dad, which is a little crazy to me. My dad was born in 1968, and this kid was born one year after my dad. Um, and he disappeared on September 5th, 1982. And his parents are Noreen Gosh and John Gosh. Now, Noreen Gosh and John Gosh are no longer together. They were together for a long time after Johnny's disappearance. And we'll talk about why they're not together anymore here in a little bit. But um, this case is going to get a little crazy. There is some insane conspiracy theories. If you guys have ever heard of the Franklin cover-ups, we're going to be talking about that a little bit too. It's going to get insane. So let's just jump into it. So he was from Des Moines. Do you know where Des Moines is, Stephen? Uh, Iowa? Yes, you're right. Good job. Ten points for whatever Thank you. your Harry Potter Thank you. house is. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that would be Ravenclaw? Of course is. I'm a Slytherin. Disgusting Ravenclaw. Uh, Just kidding. I love all Harry Potter houses. <laughs> yeah, let's not um, discriminate. So- Come on now. I'm not discriminating. I'm just like, you know, I would like more Slytherins in my life. Just thought. You mean the Um, villains? The bad guys? You want more villains? That's why you like child murder. Am I a villain, Stephen? Am I a bad guy? I'm questioning your Slytherin outtakes. Shut up. Um, So there was something weird that happened right before Johnny went missing. So John had... I think an older brother and older sister and his older brother played football. Pretty sure it was football. Um, and they went to a football game, him and his dad and his mom. They all went to a football game and Johnny disappeared at some point. Cause he said he wanted to go buy some popcorn, which is pretty normal. You know, I'm sure you've taken your kids to football games. In fact, I think you have taken your kids to football games. You know, they get hungry halfway through. They're like, Hey dad, can I go get a snack? You give him a yeah. couple bucks. You're like, go figure yeah. out. Go get your own damn popcorn. They gave Johnny a couple of bucks. Get your own damn popcorn. So they gave Johnny a couple of bucks and they sent him on his way. You're double digits now. Just go. (laughs) They could see the snack stand from where they're sitting in the bleachers. So they give Johnny a couple bucks. They're like, there you go, buddy. Go on. Get your snack, right? So he goes. He goes and gets a snack. And when he doesn't come back, They get a little concerned. So John's like, don't worry about it. I'll go look for him. I'm sure he's fine, right? 
So John goes and finds him. He finds him talking to a police officer just out of sight. Just this weird, random police officer that they don't know. And he's just out of sight of his parents, right? So John's like, that's fine. You can talk to this cop. I don't mind. He is a police officer. He's an officer of the law. But please step out this way so that we can see you. And he puts him right where he wants him to stand so that he can see him from where he's sitting, right? 15 minutes go by. They look back over to see if Johnny's still there and Johnny's not there. Well, John goes to find him again. And this cop has taken Johnny underneath the bleachers and is hiding down there talking to this 12 year old kid. That is like, it's, it's weird, right? It's weird. And then especially finding out what happens with the cops later on in this case, you're like, Oh my God, that's fucking weird. Why were you doing that? You know, like it's weird. Like I I have a quick question is, uh, mm because this is really starting to feel a lot like, fuck the police so is is that where we're going or is because now i'm curious like is is this guy just dressed up like a cop or is he just a bad creepy cop? police huh? so this kid I'm, I'm just gonna throw it out there this has gone beyond fuck the police right beyond fuck this the kid so we were talking about the football game yes yes underneath the bleachers Okay, so Johnny wanted to go get some – Johnny and his mom and his dad went to his older brother's football game, right? And Johnny was like, you know, I'm hungry. Got the munchies a little bit. Obviously, you know, he's a kid. He's going to get hungry. So he's like, Mom, Dad, can I go get some popcorn? And his parents gave him a couple bucks. He goes down to the snack stand, which they can see from where they're sitting. It's just like off to the side and back a little bit. So they can see it. And they send him with some money, and he goes and gets some popcorn. Well, 15 minutes later, he hasn't come back. And they're like, well, that's a little weird. Noreen starts to freak out a little bit. And John's like, well, don't freak out. I'll go get him, right? And John finds him off to the side, just out of sight, with a police officer. In uniform, police officer, right? And John's like, I really don't care that you're talking to a police officer, you know, they are in uniform. They are there to protect. I don't care that you talk to them, but you need to be where we can see you, right? Which is reasonable. You know, I wouldn't very well like my child out of sight if I was, you know, at a football game somewhere where they could get snatched, right? Yeah, this is really starting to sound a lot like fuck the police. Oh, yeah. This is a lot like fuck the police. So... Allegedly, he's talking to this cop, and at some point, this cop is like, hey, why don't we go stand under the bleachers? And he actually sneaks Johnny under the bleachers where his parents can't see him. And that's where they find Johnny another 15 minutes later after they can't see him anymore. They find him with this cop. And at that point, John's like, okay, I've had enough. And he takes his son back up to the bleachers with him. And Johnny's not allowed to go anywhere by himself the rest of the night, right? Probably a smart move. It is reasonable. However, when the game ends and they get his big brother and they're all heading to the car, Johnny's like, that guy was really nice. I might want to be a police officer one day, which, you know, is, is, you know, I don't know any kids that I've ever met that have spent 
time talking to a cop that haven't said that, right? They're like, I want to be a cop. I want to talk to kids and be nice and stuff, you know? Oh, so it's the... much less fucking police. <laughs> well, and the, the, the weird thing is, is that, um, this kid, like, Noreen said that it was strange. Like, I, I listened to this 2008. Um, or no, it was 2005. It was an interview from 2005 that she did, and it was like two hours long, and I listened to the whole thing. And that's where a lot of this information is coming from, is directly out of Noreen's mouth, right? Yeah. She said that it was weird. She felt it was weird that a cop would spend all of his time focused on one kid. Like, typically when cops are at, a, at an outing like that, they walk around and talk to multiple children. Why was this cop so focused on Johnny? Yeah, that's weird. So she said it felt weird, but, you know, it was what it was. A couple of days later, they go home. Well, obviously, they go home, and then a couple of days later, um, September 4th rolls around. September 4th is what Noreen likes to call the Last Supper. Um, she said that it was a really nice night, that all three of their children were home, her their Johnny's older sister was home from college and you know his older brother was home and you know they had brought their significant others and Johnny was there and they were just having a really good time she said she made a really nice meal and it was just a really nice time how biblical and the next day well let me continue on with that night the next day Johnny was gone so let me finish up with the night that ah, see now, now the whole last supper thing makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so all of that happens. And before Johnny goes to bed, Johnny's like, you know, Mom, I'd really like to go do my paper route by myself. Which Noreen said she thought was a little strange because he knew that he had to take his parents with him. And his dad was all too happy to jump on the boat and be like, oh, yeah, son, you can go do it by yourself. I don't care. You know, and Noreen was like, no, he still needs a parent with him. And therefore, the answer was no. He couldn't do the paper out by himself. Well, he goes up to bed and he comes back down before he goes to sleep. And he says, Mom, I will always love you. You are the best. Those are directly words from Noreen's mouth that are the last words that she heard from her son. So very sad. And then one of the other things that Noreen mentioned in her interview was that Johnny was not an invisible child. You know what I mean? Like, you know, those kids that you kind of barely realize they're there because they're so quiet and they're good and they, you know, do everything that they're supposed to do. You barely have to parent them. They just, you know, are good kids. So he's loud and obnoxious. No, not that he's loud and obnoxious. She said that he was a very generous child and he was very much a mama's boy. So he was not an invisible child by any means. Um, He was very sweet. And she was like, she said that he brought light and laughter into the house. So very, very sad. What do you think so far, Stephen? Well, I, I think that you need to pick adults. Well, I think that you need to stop being so bossy. I'm just going to cry here. 
this poor child. Yeah, it, it, it's horrible. It is horrible. But the reason that I wanted to cover this case is because this case gained so much momentum. But I was also watching an interview on the Franklin cover-ups, which is something that we're going to talk about a little bit later. And in that interview, they said that anywhere between 100,000 and 500,000 children go missing every single year. And we don't even hear about a quarter of them on television. Well, yeah. So, yeah, it's really shitty. And, of course, it sounds horrible. And, you know, you're like, oh, this is all she ever wants to cover. But it's because kids don't have anybody as their voice. I mean, obviously, you don't know this yet. We're going to talk about it a little bit more. But Noreen was a wonderful mother. And she was a wonderful voice for her son. But not all children have that. So I want to kind of get stories out there so that people can understand how important it is to advocate for your child if something like this were to, God forbid, ever happen. Because she was the type of person, you know how John Walsh was advocating for his son so heavily and that's the only reason they found out what happened to his son? That's that was Noreen for her son. The only difference is is that they can't find Johnny. Like his, they believe that Johnny's still alive because his body has never been found. So, she doesn't know what happened to her son, because he's still alive. She just knows that her son's gone. I, I, that's gotta suck. It. She even said she's like, I believe that he's still alive i just she was like it just sucks because i don't know how to find him so on the morning of september 5th johnny gets up and does his own paper route by himself and this is when he goes missing now one thing that noreen points out and it becomes significant later so i want you to remember this john gosh got a phone call from this random number, what he claims to be a wrong number. But if you, when you pick up the phone and it's a wrong number, what do you typically say to that person? Fuck off. I mean, fuck off, you know, sorry, you have the wrong number, anything, right? You're not going to say, you're not going to acknowledge this person. But I guess according to Noreen, there was a phone call that came in and they spoke to John. And John says, yes, okay. Yes, okay all right, and he hangs up. And when Noreen asks him, hey, who, who was that? He's like, oh, it was just a wrong number. I don't know about you, but that does not sound like somebody that called that that was a wrong number to me. <gasps> bad dad? Is this a bad dad story? Well, it's alleged that it's a bad dad story. Bad dad so there's a guy out there, and I'll come back to what we were talking about in just a minute, but... The guy's name is Paul Benassi, and he was a victim of the Franklin cover-ups in Omaha, Nebraska. He claims to have been there the day of Johnny's abduction, and he also claims that the way that Johnny, like the way it was known that Johnny would go and do his paper route by himself, because Noreen was like, how the hell did you guys know that my son was going to be outside by himself? He always had a parent with him. And Paul said that they called John Gosh the night before and told him to make sure that Johnny went on his paper route by himself. And John agreed. Okay, who the fuck is this guy? 
We'll talk about him a little bit later. But he claims to have been there the morning that Johnny was kidnapped. And he was a victim of what we assume is allegedly the same pedophile ring that abducted Johnny. So we'll talk about him in a minute. Don't get, don't, you know, don't put the horse or the, the cart before the horse, you know, just like, you know, be patient. You mean the carton before the horse? Sure, Stephen, sure. <laughs> so Johnny had a very small paper route. He only delivered 28 papers, which is like, I think, less than a city block. I, I, uh, give or take, but Johnny only delivered 28 papers and none of the papers got delivered. When they found his wagon the next morning, the bundles from the paper weren't even cut. So when you get like a stack of papers and you're getting ready to deliver them, they're wrapped in this thick, hard plastic that you have to cut so that the papers don't fly away. The bundle wasn't even cut. Yeah, I remember. I, I used to do a, a paper route when I was younger. Oh, wow. Makes you sound old. Um, fuck you, Kazaya. <laughs> so, Johnny goes out, and it's, it's a really odd story. I really don't even know how to explain it. I'm going to tell you again from Noreen's words. Johnny was going to pick up his paper and he was repeatedly stopped by a car. And these are the stories that she got from the witnesses, by the way. So these all came from the mouths of people that saw it. He was repeatedly stopped by a car. And so Johnny gets to the place where he picks up his papers. He picks up all of his papers. He asks this attorney that was at the paper pickup, picking up papers for his kids. He's like, could you please talk to this guy? He's been bugging me all morning. And the car turns around, makes a U-turn, and, like, speeds off. And Johnny's like, you know what? This is fucking weird. I'm going home. I don't want to, you know, this is freaking me out. I'm going home, right? And the driver of the car then flashes his dome lights, so the lights inside the car, three times. And turns around and begins to go in the direction that Johnny's going. And when he flashed his dome lights three times, allegedly, some guy came out from between two houses and started following Johnny on foot as well. Jeez. Everybody wants this poor kid. So, from what I can understand, from what Paul Benassi has said, and like I said, we'll talk more about Paul Benassi here in a minute, it was a planned thing. Like, there was pictures of Johnny taken before the kidnapping. Oh, the fuck? So they had basically marked this kid. They had taken a picture of him one day while he was walking home from school. Noreen did not know that this picture existed until Paul Benassi told her that the picture existed. And then, like, he was, I don't know how, but the picture was produced. He was like, this was taken of your son uh, a week or two weeks before the abduction. And it was of Johnny walking home from school. And in fact, he was able to describe the house without looking at the picture. Paul Benassi was able to describe the house that Johnny was standing in front of when the picture was taken. Jeez. So it's a weird case. 
So Johnny says, this is weird. I'm going home. This guy starts following him on foot. And he has his little dog, the family's, like, toy dog. Like, it's not a toy dog, but you know what I mean. Like, it's small. Small dog. And he has it tied to his wagon since he was going by himself. I think it maybe made him feel a little bit safer. So, wait. This is say toy dog is this a real dog it's a real dog it's like smaller you know athena yeah my sister-in-law's dog athena smaller than her that's why i said it was a toy dog like a chihuahua i think it was a shih tzu yeah those are small yeah so small dog small dog um so he's got this dog tied he's got the papers in the wagon and he starts walking home. Well, this guy's following him on foot and Johnny crosses over this hill. So he like goes over this hill. If I'm not wrong, I could be wrong. Whatever it was that he did, it took him just out of sight of the kids that were standing at the paper pickup. And allegedly those kids, the next thing they heard was two car doors slam and the car speed through the stop sign. And then so, there was no Johnny. So one thing I got to ask. Uh-huh. For PETA and all the females listening in the audience, was the dog okay? The dog was fine. In fact, that's how the dad found the paper wagon the next morning. He walked outside his front door. And I told you, this kid only delivered 28 papers. The wagon that he kept his papers in was only found two blocks from their house with the dog inside of it. The dog was barking and going crazy. So Johnny did not make it very far when he was doing, like, when I say this was planned by whoever did this, it was planned by whoever did this. And it's insane. Um, now we're going to get to the fuck the police, right? So, but, so, so somebody wanted this kid like he was a rare Pokemon card. According to Paul Benassi, let me talk about Paul Benassi for a minute, and then we'll get back to like the main story. Um, Paul Benassi is a man who was for a long time in prison for being a convicted child molester. The reason that Paul Benassi was in prison for being a convicted child molester was because he had been kidnapped at the age of six and molested and abused from then on. And one of the things that Paul Benassi has said, allegedly, about this ring of pedophiles is that they would force you to commit a felony. So they kidnap you. And then they force you to commit a felony, whether that's sexual abuse of another child, raping another child, stealing a car, something. Something so that you're wanted, so that you'll never try to escape and go to the police. And Paul Benassi's felony that he had to commit was having sex with another child. Ah, wow, that's, and, that's fucked up. Oh, yeah. In fact... Paul Benassi also claims that he was the first person to molest Johnny because all of the children had to molest all of the other children so that they wouldn't want to escape and, again, 
go to the police. And Paul Vanassi was the first one to molest John. Really fuck with your head to make it make you feel like a criminal. Uh huh. Now the other thing is, is that Paul Vanassi said that the the group that he worked for, or the group that had him, because essentially it's like they own you, and then they sell you, and then whenever that person is done with you, they give you back. So then they can that group that initially had you can sell you again. Like it's fucked. So Paul Benassi claims that. So this is like the reason for children. This is it's basically yeah, like the um, the kids that were initially shown to this pedophile because they showed him to this pedophile now. There is no name. There's no nothing. We have no clue who this pedophile that ended up wanting Johnny was. But they showed this pedophile like a bunch of pictures of just different kids. Girls, boys, older kids, younger kids. And he liked the looks of Johnny. That's why they abducted Johnny. So, yeah. Johnny was wanted like a rare Pokemon card. That's just fucked up, man. Mm Mm-hmm. It's insane. You remember when I said I found out, fell down a rabbit hole? I fell down a fucking rabbit hole. And I have not come back up out of it yet. Well, thanks for giving um, me nightmares tonight, Kazam. <laughs> I mean, if it makes you feel any better, be happy that I didn't show you any pictures from this case. Well, so, don't worry, I'll have to find a picture to put on the... Uh, so I, I'll get to be tortured by that. I'm going to probably call my kids right after we're done with this. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so getting back to the story, Noreen wakes up on that morning, the morning of September 5th to her phone ringing off the fucking hook. And this is back in the day. Obviously it's 1982. There's no such thing as cell phones. And, um, so she, their house phone, their landline is ringing like crazy. And so she goes, she gets up, she's like, let me go get the phone. She answers the phone, and it's all these neighbors that have not gotten their paper. Remember when I said Johnny only delivered 28? Well, he was like one of those kids. Like, I guess they find the children for having late papers. And so Johnny made sure that his papers were always on time. So Noreen thought that this was super fucking weird. She was like, maybe he overslept. I'll go get him real quick. Well, she goes into his room. Johnny's not there. The dog is missing. And she's like, okay, well, this is strange. Well, John's like, you know what? Maybe he went out and did it by himself and he's just behind. Knowing very well that Johnny went out and did this by himself. Because he went with him every day. So even if what Paul Benassi said wasn't true, John still would have known that if Johnny wasn't home, he probably went out to do his paper out by himself because John goes with him every morning and John had not been woken up to go with him. But anyway, John's like, he probably just went out and did his paper by himself. Let me go look for him. You start on breakfast. I'll help him finish his paper route. And then when Johnny and I get back, we can have breakfast and go to the lake. They are planning to go to the lake that day. They had like a boat and they used to go to the lake on Sundays. So John goes out, literally makes it the two blocks that it takes to get him to Johnny's wagon, comes running back through the door, and he's like, something has happened to Johnny, somebody's taken him, call the police right now. 
So Noreen immediately calls the police. Like Noreen springs into action. I don't know how this woman was so strong being just told that her son was missing, but this woman literally sprung into action. It was what, insane. <laughs> so she calls the police and the police live literally, I think they said like 10 blocks or something like that, 10 minutes from the Gosh's house. It took them 45 minutes to get there. Jeez. 45 minutes. Fucking police. So, takes 45 minutes for the police to show up, and Noreen has already taken action. She already has all of the... Um, She already has all of the witnesses' statements. She already has, like, a guesstimation of the time that he went missing from all the witnesses. She already has pictures of Johnny pulled out. I think she even has, like, a piece of his hair or something that they had been keeping in case of something like this so that they could use it for DNA testing. Like, she had everything already ready when the police got there 45 minutes later. And the police told her, has your son ever run away before? And she was like, my son's 12. He hasn't run away. You know, he was excited to do his paper out this morning and go to the lake. He didn't run away. And they would not drop it that Johnny had run away. The cops even refused to help her. They told her that they wouldn't help her for 72 hours. And then after 72 hours, they would file a missing persons report, which we now know in today's world is completely insane because the first 24 hours of a child being missing is like the cream of the crop. It's the most crucial time. Exactly. So they're like, no, we're in, in 72 hours. If he's not back, call us and we'll make a police report. So the cops do nothing to help. Nothing. And then... So Noreen sets up a couple of search and rescues to go looking through town, maybe in the woods. You know, I think this was probably the next day or whatever. And one of the cops, I think it was actually the police chief, he's drunk and shows up to the search and rescue and stands on a table and says, go home, everybody. This is just another runaway. These crazy people just don't want to believe that their son ran away. These must be some rich fucking pedophiles. <clears throat> See, there's some things that I won't say because I believe some things could legitimately, like, there's some things you just don't say. I'll tell you some more things later once we're not on the air and we're not going to publish it, but it's crazy how deep this goes, right? So the cops try to push off Johnny's kidnapping as a runaway. They even so much as try to discourage people from looking for him. However, Noreen's not stupid. Noreen's been paying attention. Two children, two girls, two weeks after Johnny was kidnapped, were kidnapped, not from the same place, but they were kidnapped and they were taken to Omaha, Nebraska, which will be a crucial central part in the case that we're talking about. They take these girls from Omaha, or they take these girls from Des Moines to Omaha, and the police chief... She's like, dude, maybe we should contact the Omaha Police Department. You know, you never know. The girls were taken from the same place, you know, from the same state that Johnny was. And it's just two hours away to get to Omaha. And the cop's like, nope, 
I don't feel anything on that, so I'm not going to look into it, which is horrible. So, you know, of course, Noreen's like, this is bullshit. She's flipping out. She's having a whole cow, right? So I'm really hoping that this ends with Noreen becoming like a super detective, firing all these fucking police <laughs> and taking over the, agent, uh, the police station. She is still investigating her son's death or her son's disappearance to this day. Like there's a group on Facebook um, called, um, I think it's like John, it's like something Johnny Gosh. And I'm a member of that group and she's in that group. Like she's literally there talking to people, helping to make sure that anything, you know, that comes out about her son, she's there to find out about it. Like she is one of the strongest women that I've ever read about. Like, I don't understand how she was be able to be so strong and do this. Like, if I found out that my kid had been taken, like, of course, I would try to do everything in my power. But I'd probably also, like, be depressed and lost and wouldn't know what to do with myself. And this woman was so strong. Yeah, this woman like, sounds like a straight-up like badass. Yeah, she is. She's a straight-up badass. In fact, she um, she said something so... You remember how I said her son was taken about the same time as John Walsh's son, a year after John Walsh's yeah. son? So according to her, and this was straight out of the 2005 interview, I don't know how truthful it is. She could be lying. She claims that she was with John Walsh one night at this, like, missing children's event. And that John Walsh was talking about his son there. And she said something along the lines of, I think the FBI should have to give up part of their funding and put it towards a national missing children's center, which later on, I believe, if I'm not wrong, ended up becoming the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. So I think it did happen. But she had suggested it. And John Walsh, like, freaked out. And he was like, do you know what you're saying? Do you, like, do you know where you are and you're saying this right now? Like, she was crazy badass. Like, oh, my gosh, she's insane. Like, I wish I could be as strong as Noreen. Like, and not only that, but I was watching a video by this woman named Kendall Ray on YouTube, and she has a podcast. She does all kinds of crazy good stuff, but she's into true crime as well. And she said, I don't know how truthful this is again, that Noreen's, so Noreen was married prior to John Gosh, and that's where the two for older children came from. And apparently... Everything that she had was lost in a tornado. She literally found her kids in a ditch and her first husband was like dead two days later. And then she still was able to like rise up and be this strong woman for Johnny. Like, I don't know how she did it, but she did it. And she has done amazing for her son. Um, but back to the point, Noreen does a press conference where she talks about these two girls that were taken from Arkan uh, from Iowa to Nebraska to Omaha and she's like hey police dude could you please look into this Omaha's only two hours away you know it's not that crazy to think that they took my son hopped on the expressway because that's the direction that they turned when they ran the stop sign they turned toward the expressway you know it's not crazy to think that they would have gone to somewhere like Omaha it's a big city they could traffic him there right, right. And the cop was like, I don't feel it. I'm not feeling it. So, no, we're not going to look into it. Now, Noreen was pissed. And I can't say that I blame her. I'd be pissed, too. Like, shit. 
So Noreen at this point realizes that the police are not going to be very much of a help to her. Um, and so she hires a private investigator to start doing some investigation on, on Johnny prior to, um, you know, in addition to what the police are doing. Now, we do have to talk about Omaha, Nebraska for a little bit. Is there anything that you know about Omaha, Nebraska? Uh, no. <laughs> I believe there's no, a lot nothing. of farming that happens there. Well, we'll talk about it. But there is a place, or there used to be a place, in Omaha called Boys Town. That doesn't sound good, considering what kind of case this is. And there was a man that worked a lot with Boys Town allegedly. Again, I'm saying a lot of allegedly's because I don't, you know, I'm trying to be as careful as possible, but allegedly. This guy named Larry E. King worked a lot with Boys Town. And allegedly, according to Paul Benassi, when Larry E. King would take boys from Boys Town, they would be taken to these crazy pedophile prostitution parties. If you ask anybody from Boys Town, they will tell you, no, this never happened. No, this isn't real. No, this is all bullshit. But Noreen actually did some serious research, and she believes that this is the ring that took her son. If this ring did exist, she believes that this is the ring that took her son. Um. One of the things that, hmm? Not that I promote the explosion and terrorism, but can we bomb it? <laughs> I don't think it exists anymore, so I don't think that we should bomb it. No, but. <laughs> High-tech assassin work. We'll get some snipers, take out every motherfucker that is part of this ring. I'd support it. I mean, if only... I. There's none, there's not even any names that like are linked to this. Literally, like some people think allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Some people think that the Nebraska FBI was involved because the Nebraska FBI refused to look into it. Again, this is all allegedly. I don't know if any of this is true. This could be somebody talking out of their ass. I don't know. Please don't come for me. Um, it, Too bad that it's a thought. A song Some people think. The FBI. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that they would live to tell the tale if they did. <laughs> Just gonna put it out there. So, Noreen, like I said, has done this press conference, and she has gone. She has made this police chief absolutely so infuriated that he has gone purple in the face trying to scream at her and get her to take back what she said. She's like, no, fuck you. Right? So, now we get to Paul Benassi. Now, why I am going to talk about Paul Benassi is because this is the point where we need to talk about the Franklin cover-ups, okay? Okay. Now, the Franklin cover-ups... All of this is allegedly. All of this is allegedly. I don't, I don't even want to mince words with that. Everything that I'm about to say is alleged. Allegedly. Um, but Paul Benassi, his name is Paul Benassi, he came forward as having taken part in Johnny's kidnapping. I think it was like two or three years after 
Johnny was kidnapped. I could be wrong. It could have been way longer than that. I don't know exactly how long. But he came out and was able to tell Noreen certain things that Noreen had never released to the public about Johnny, such as a burn Johnny had on his shin and a mark that he had on his tongue and a stutter that Johnny got when he was scared. So he was able to tell Noreen those things, and those are things that Noreen had never, ever released to the public at all. Like, she and her team were the only ones that knew about these things. The cops didn't even know about these things, right? So she immediately was intrigued by this guy. She was like, dude must know something if he's going to tell me this, right? And Paul was able to tell Noreen, allegedly, how they picked Johnny, which, as I said, according to Paul, a bunch of pictures were shown to um, one specific pedophile, and he picked out Johnny. How much the kidnappers made, which I think was like $5,000 or something, So that's how much the kidnappers made just for doing the kidnapping. And then the pedophile that bought Johnny was also told to Noreen. But I don't know, like, obviously, um, she never released that information, which I think is very good for on her part because, you know, you don't want to, you know. (laughs) Um, Paul also told her that Johnny was molested by many of the boys that were involved, but Paul was the first to molest him as they were in the car together for the two hour ride back to Nebraska. So according to Paul, like I said, this is according to Paul. So $5,000 is all it takes is to sell your soul. Jeez. I mean, you got to think back in the eighties, $5,000 was more like $10,000. You know, it was a lot of money back then. To sell your soul. I'm not saying to sell your soul. I'm just saying it was a lot of money back then. I'm going to kidnap a poor, innocent young boy to be molested. That's fucking chump change to be a douche. Oh, yeah. It, it, it definitely, yes, I agree. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying. Um, also, I said this earlier. Paul had been kidnapped at age six and allegedly, according to him, was abused by Larry King and at Boys Town from then on. Allegedly. Again, can't stress this enough. Allegedly. Um, Paul Bonassi also allocates John Gosh. Again, allegedly, John Gosh, Johnny's father, was called the night before Johnny went on his paper by himself and was told that Johnny would go by himself. And John said, yes, okay, sure. And then that next morning is why it's why John didn't go with Johnny. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Uh, Um, So let me guess. Uh, Allegedly, this father left his wife pretty shortly after all this because he got. No, they stayed together for um, quite some time. In fact, they stayed together until Paul Manassi put that information out. And then once Noreen found out about that, she was like, nope, fuck you, divorce. (laughs) So she believes it. 
Oh, yeah, she she believes it. She believes everything that Paul has to say. The reason that Paul's never been interviewed by the police is because Paul has really bad DID, which is Dissociative Identity Disorder, and I don't know if you know what that is, but if you don't, it's multiple personalities yeah, disorder. And through his... Yeah. yeah, and through his multiple personalities is the only way that he's able to recall what happened to Johnny. And so the cops say that that's an unreliable source. But if you ask me, that's... Not unreliable and not reliable, but it says something that he can only tell you about the trauma that he's experienced through the personalities that were created by the trauma that he experienced. (laughs) So, like I said, I don't know if it makes him reliable or if it makes him unreliable, but it certainly says something that he can only tell you through that. Um, So... And also, I mentioned this earlier, that Paul Benassi said that when the children were kidnapped, they were forced to commit a felony. Right. Which he said most commonly was commit a sex crime with another child so that they would not escape and go to the police because, you know, there's a statute of limitations on everything except for sex crimes and murder. So they would have them do something that there's not a statute of limitations on. So in five years, they couldn't be like, well, the statute of limitations is up. I'm going to leave and go to the police, you know, obviously. So they used felonies that were not statute, like they didn't have statute of limitations on them. Allegedly. Allegedly. So also in this time, the FBI called Noreen and... John Loons. Like that literally, like this came out of Noreen's mouth again in an interview. She was like, the FBI called us Loons, her and her husband. She was like, me and my husband have spent all my all of our time looking for our son and trying to get our son back. And the FBI called us Loons for it. Like she was pissed. She was like, I don't even know how to describe that as a shitty thing to do, you know, pretty much. She was like, it's just horrible that all I was doing is looking for my son and I got so called a loon. Did Paul mention, did, did he uh, claim, because I feel like the father had to have gotten paid if he was going to allow this to happen. Either that or he just really fucking hates his son. I do not know. Paul never disclosed any of that information. Um, I assume there was payment involved. But I obviously, like I said, I've never spoken to Paul. I did message him before we did our episode on this case, and he did not respond. So obviously I don't want to pester him, but he never said whether or not there was pay, or at least Noreen never came out with that information to John Josh. As a father, Um, there had to have been a payment involved because there's, I mean, I wouldn't be taking that payment, but if, if, if someone's willing to give away their son for sex work, it, it's it's got to be payment. Otherwise, you're just a, I mean, you're a terrible person regardless, but I, I just, fuck that guy. <laughs> like I said, I really don't know. That's something that's never been released. I just, um, don't, I just don't understand how you could give up your son like that. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I really don't know um, exactly what happened. Um, But according to Noreen, she was warned that there would be another boy that went went missing. 
Like I said, I don't know how true this is. She could be making this shit up. Some of it, I think she is kind of making up, and some of it, I believe, is true. She claims that she was alerted by somebody. Somebody called her and was like, another boy is going to go missing, and it's going to happen this week of this month on this year. According to her, that's something that was said. I don't really believe that because when the kidnapping happened, she seemed just as shocked as everybody else. So that I do not believe as that did not come out until 2005 that she was quote unquote warned about it. So I really don't believe that part of it. Another boy went missing by the name of Eugene Martin in basically the same way. Eugene Martin, again, was out doing his paper route um, and went missing at almost, according to the witnesses that saw him, between 5.15 and 5, I think, 45 that morning. So, and he went missing on August 12th. So that is what prompted in 1984, Johnny and Eugene to be the first two milk carton boys ever. They were the first two boys to be put on milk cartons and they were put on milk cartons by a local dairy company in Des Moines. Um, and just the way that Eugene's kidnapping was treated gives me a bad feeling. And it gives me an even more off feeling if Noreen really was warned about this. I really, like I said, I don't necessarily believe that she was. But if she was warned about this, it gives me an even more odd feeling that Eugene's case was treated so differently. You remember all the bad police work that we talked about in the first of this case yeah none of that happened with eugene there were search and rescues for eugene eugene was almost immediately put on the schedule as a missing person when it took noreen four months to get him switched from a runaway to a missing person so eugene's case was treated almost entirely differently which is like i said a little freaky um However, also around this time is when things started surfacing. So I don't remember exactly the year, but Noreen at some point got pictures of her son tied up with, like, he was bound and gagged with other boys. And she received these pictures on her birthday. Oh, fuck. And she said that she could literally pick out her son. She said she didn't know who all the other boys were, but she said she could literally pick out her son. Now, if you ask some police departments, like the Florida Police Department, a, a police department in Florida claims that they had, already, they had gotten those pictures like two years before Johnny even went missing, which I really don't believe because these were full-color pictures and, you know, obviously the quality looked like it went with the time. But this Florida Police Department claims that they got those pictures like years before Johnny even went missing. Like I said, I don't necessarily believe that, but, you know, I, it is what it is. So, Maureen gets these pictures of Johnny, and she claims, and like I said, you'll probably find these pictures when you're looking for a cover for our um, podcast. But she says that you can see on one of Johnny's arms that he's branded. And that's how this particular pedophile ring allegedly marked their victims. 
they would brand their victims so that they always knew their victims. You could like, and I guess Paul Bonassi said that they would tell him, you can change your hair color, you can get plastic surgery, you can change whatever you want, but this will always be here. And they were talking about the brand. And like I said, this is all alleged. I don't know for sure about any of this. This is coming from Paul, but that's according to him, how they knew who their victims were from other people. So, um, at this time, when she gets these pictures, obviously she had been advocating extremely hard before, but this is when she started advocating very difficult, very harshly for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, because I believe it. How, how long after Johnny was um, abducted did she get these pictures? I don't remember exactly. Let me see if I can find it real quick because I believe a couple of years. I know it was on her birthday. Right. Um, I mean, she said she recognized her son. So was this only like five years later, a couple of years later? I mean, 12. Uh, her son was in a point where he's going to grow. So the pictures of Johnny were taken. Um, right after his abduction. Right after his abduction, yes. Um, and actually, according to Wikipedia, Wikipedia is not the best source, but according to Wikipedia, these pictures were given to her in 2006 on her birthday. And when, when you look at the pictures, like I, I pulled up a couple of the pictures, they're literally like it looks like they were taken days after Johnny went missing because he has the same hair. His face looks a little different, but that might be because he was beaten up, but he literally looks like Johnny. So it's insane. Um, And he's in the picture with two other boys. I just tied up and gagged. Why? Like, why the fuck do you do like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, I couldn't tell you. All I know is that those pictures, a lot of people say it's because Noreen did push so much for information about her son's disappearance, and it was a way to frighten her. Scared to back off. Exactly. I mean, you got to remember, Noreen has received death threats. Like, I guess, according to her, she there was a completely anatomically correct blow-up female sex doll that was left on her doorstep with, like, the, a gunshot through its head. Like, she has received all types of death threats, which is why I'm being extremely careful in how I talk about this case, because I really, you know, don't want to, you know, stir anything up. Um, But a lot of people say that that's what those pictures were for. Like, according to her, she knew that those pictures had to be taken right after her son went missing because of how he looked in those pictures. Let me see if uh, if I can let me see if I can send you one of them and like like it's just like he looks like a twelve year old kid like I don't even know how else to describe it to you he looks like a twelve year old kid um let me see I'm gonna send you one of the ones that has his name labeling him there it is yeah I'm so so okay so I'm gonna send this to you real quick. 
it already. It's horrible. Like when you look at this picture, you're going to be like, oh my God, what kind of person, you know? Right. Um, but apparently they took all of these pictures and sent them to Noreen in like this big envelope on her birthday. And I feel that like, I, I can't even imagine. And I think her birthday is the same day as mine. I think her birthday, I could be wrong, but I think her birthday is on the same day as mine. Some Did motherfucker that... decided to find out either it was in it or, you know, or some motherfucker decided to do this research, find out when it absolutely devastated her on that day. That's just... Oh, yeah. Did the picture I sent come through? Unfortunately. Yep. See? He looks like a 12-year-old boy. He doesn't look like he's grown any. He looks like that was taken, like, days after his disappearance. Because I'm sure you saw the post that I made on Facebook. That's And the post that I made on Facebook had a picture of Johnny as a 12-year-old right before he went missing. And that's Johnny right before, right after he went missing. Like, there's no question in my mind those were taken, like, within two weeks of him being taken. Right. Oh, yeah. It's right. insane. Continue with your horrible story. Well, there are some good things that come out of this story. Okay. So we're talking about the Johnny Gosh bill. The Johnny Gosh bill, well, we'll call it the Johnny Gosh law because there is a Johnny Gosh bill as well, which we'll talk about. So the Johnny Gosh law requires immediate attention from missing minor. Awesome. For the police that we don't say fuck the police about. Yes. And then there is also a Johnny Gosh bill. And the Johnny Gosh bill is a dollar bill that somebody got back in change from a, like, a a convenience store. And on it, it said, I am alive. And it was signed Johnny Gosh. And people don't know if it's real. People don't know if it's fake. People don't know if it was a joke. People don't know if it really was Johnny trying to get a message to his parents. People don't know. Um... But it was an interesting thing to to surface when it surfaced. Um, 1991 was when Paul Benassi got involved. So Johnny went missing in 1982. So this is probably nine years later that Paul Benassi gets involved. And we've talked a little bit about Paul Benassi. Um, and he obviously has been through a lot. But he claims to have taken part in Johnny's kidnapping. In fact, he claims that his job in Johnny's kidnapping was to chloroform Johnny. Um, And he says that he was very young at the time as well. So, so the kidnappers that get paid are also the people that they've already tortured and brainwashed. Yes, they do that on purpose. Do you remember how I said they make you commit a felony? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I guess the, the low price of that makes a little more sense. 
Mm-hmm. Like they like they believe that they're like they're being like the children. If if all of this is true, again, it's very much allegedly. But if all of this is true, the children are being brainwashed, and they're being brainwashed at an extremely young and impressionable age. That's why, if all of this is true, that's why Paul Benassi has multiple personality disorder. He has DID because DID is formed when you have trauma in your formative years and your formative years are between the ages of five and seven. They say that between the ages of five and seven, you become the person that you're going to be for the rest of your life. And you can make changes and you can do things right, but like certain primary things will always be the way that they were when you were between the ages of five and seven. So was he kidnapped when he was like five or seven? He was kidnapped when he was six. That's why I said it makes perfect sense. If all of this is true, it makes perfect sense. Um, But another thing that needs to be talked about is that Johnny is assumed to be alive. Most people, even Johnny's mother, believe that Johnny's alive. There was for a time a conspiracy theory that a man named Jeff Gannon who was a man that had no backing in press, no backing in journalism, nothing. But was a main, one of the people with like the big press passes that you get to go into the White House and ask the president questions. He had one of those press passes and they have no idea what his background is, no idea, anything like that. Now, a lot of people say, and in fact, Noreen even says that Jeff Gannon is not her son. But whatever Jeff Gannon is involved in, he does not want people to find out about because he was like he didn't want to he didn't want to refuse to take a DNA test because he knew that if he refused, people would think he was Johnny. But he also didn't want to take the DNA test. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I don't believe that Jeff Gannon is Johnny Gosh, but what did Jeff Gannon do other than go to the White House and have a pack? Um. I think there's some information that he was believed to be involved in some kind of gay escort service. I really don't know. Like I said, this is all allegedly. I, in fact, it's even more allegedly because I really haven't done that much research into Jeff Gannon. But that's the information that I have. Um, also, Noreen claims that in 1997, Johnny visited her. Really? He would have been 27. He talked to his mom for, I think she said, somewhere between 15 and 45 minutes. But she said that it was, she was like, as quickly as it started, it was over. But she does claim that he came and talked to her, that he told them, he told her how they pick out the children. He told her how um, they all have to commit a felony once they're, after they've been kidnapped, you know. In fact, he refused help because he had been forced to do illegal things and he didn't want to go to jail for those illegal things that he had done. And at the time of the visit, he would have been 27 if it's, if it's all true. Did he admit that he was Johnny or claim that he was Johnny? He did. He went, he, um, I'm trying to see if I can remember Noreen's exact wording. She said that there was an insistent knocking on her door And when she went to open it, she looked at the eyes and she said that the eyes never change and that she said, who is it? And Johnny said, it's me, mom. It's Johnny. 
And she opened the door and she offered to get him help. She was like, no, let me help you. Let me take you to the police station. You know, we can get you help. And he was like, no, I've done lots of bad things. Like he, according to her, he got very emotionally distressed when she mentioned the police. Uh, considering the way the police were in the story, there might be a reason he's afraid to go to the police. And it's less about the stuff that he's done and more about what he knows about the police. Well, I believe that, I believe what Paul Benassi said. If we're to believe anything from Paul Benassi, it should be that if you go to the police for help, you will go to jail. Because if I'm not wrong, that's what happened to Paul Benassi. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that <clears throat> I don't believe that they did this to bring get that. And I, I believe that probably did happen. What I am saying is that he may have another reason to be afraid of the police. And that's the police are part of this. And he probably knows this, but doesn't want to admit to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, I, I would... I would 100% agree with you. But anyway, Johnny visits his mom and she said that it was over as quickly as it started. And she said that she didn't say anything for years. Like, I don't remember exactly when she came out about this, but in 1997 is, I think, the year that she claims that this happened. Could be wrong on that. That could be a wrong fact. Like I said, there's so much information in this case that sometimes it all kind of meshes together and falls together and it's hard to pull the pieces out and put them where they belong. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's weird. Right. Right. Um, so I could be wrong about 1997, but I believe that 1997 is when she claims that Johnny visited her. They talked, you know. I think she said she even got a hug from him. And there was another boy with him and she didn't introduce the other, he didn't introduce the other boy, but she says that there was another boy with him. And he also told her, she was like, well, can I at least tell somebody that I've seen you? And he was like, if you tell anybody and word gets out, they'll kill me if they know that I've been here. So he was very much aware that he should not have been there. But I think he missed his mom and he wanted her to at least know that he was alive. If we're to believe that this actually happened. Okay, so that's this why is why she didn't tell anybody at first. Yes. This is, this is also something that she said under oath. So I'm a little bit more inclined to believe her. Um, that's the only reason that any of it came out in the first place is because she was sworn in under oath and somebody asked her, have you seen your son? And obviously, if this really did happen, she was under oath. She had to say yes. So why was she, uh, why was she in court to, about what was this about? What was I'm not sure. I can't find that. But it's the same reason that Paul Benassi was able to openly be questioned in court about Johnny's disappearance. Even though he never got any charges or anything, he, you know, it was the same reason. Um, however, not that this makes anything any better. In 2013, again, I could be wrong about the time period exactly, but I believe in 2013, the pedophile ring was busted in Des Moines. Oh. And this is according to Noreen. So there was a huge, there was a pedophile ring in Des Moines. I believe it was connected to the pedophile ring in Omaha. Allegedly. This is all alleged, but um, according to Noreen, in 2013 was when the pedophile ring in Des Moines was busted. Which would explain why the cops were not helping her and 
certain people, certain groups that are supposed to help you when you have missing children and things like that were not helping her because they were involved. Allegedly. Allegedly. Well, I hope those cops that were helping this evil, sadistic, fucking pedophile ring are now currently in jail being God knows what by the other prisoners. I mean... I know that the police chief, the original police chief that oversaw the beginning of Johnny's case, died. He died four years. He died in 2001 because I was watching the interview in 2000, from 2005, and she said that he died four years ago in 2005, which would mean that he died in 2001. Well, then he's being tortured by something else. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, Papa Nasi did take a TV crew to a house. Um, I believe it was in Colorado. And when you watch the interview, he cry, he, he's crying the closer that he gets to the house. And not only is he crying the closer he gets to the house, but later on they back up and they take him back to this bridge that you have to cross to get to the house. And he's like, I didn't think I was going to be able to get that close to the house. There was so much horrible things that took place here and so many horrible memories that were made here. I didn't think I was going to be able to come this close. And allegedly, according to the, I believe, the media, I don't know what media channel, because he did take a TV crew there, there were boys' initials carved into the wall of a cross space underneath the house. This podcast is, uh, the word of the day is allegedly. Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> Fuck around and find out. Uh, I do not want to fuck around and find out, so I am using the word allegedly. In all of this. Um, also, it is common knowledge that the FBI will not speak about the Johnny Gosh case at all. At all. A TV crew, I think it was America's Most Wanted, actually. I think John Walsh maybe got involved and did an episode of America's Most Wanted on Johnny. And asked the, police, asked the FBI some questions. And the FBI straight said, we agreed that we wouldn't talk about the Johnny Gosh case. We don't want to talk about the Johnny Gosh case. Like, they wouldn't talk about it at all. Just a little freaky. Um, but yes, it's uh, been an insane bit of information. Would you not agree? I agree. And fuck pedophile rings. Oh, yeah. Do you remember when I, well, you remember when I was texting you last night and I was like, I've fallen down the rabbit hole and I don't know how to pull myself back out of it? And you were like, okay, like, you didn't believe me. Yeah. Now you see what I mean. <laughs> not necessarily that I don't believe you. I was just acknowledging that I agree. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's horrible. It's, it's all horrible. And like I said, everything that I've put forth in this podcast is information that you can find. I, I tried very hard not to put any opinion in this case because there is just so much information. Um, so... If you guys have any thoughts about Johnny, um, feel free to send them to our Instagram or our email or Steven's Twitter. I don't have a Twitter, but you can send them to Steven's Twitter. Um, yes, you can. And you can find mine at uh, Dragon Blazer Productions, my Facebook page. My Twitter account is at Dragon Blazer Pro. Instagram, YouTube are, are all Dragon Blazer Productions. Um, yeah, you can uh, you can send anything you want to us, and we'll we'll talk about it. Oh yeah, 
there is one more thing I forgot to talk about. It's at the very top of my notes, and it just evaded me until now. So Noreen had a website for Johnny. Oh. Called johnnygosh.com, where she had a book that she'd written called Why Johnny Can't Come Home um, for sale, and it was also open for people to leave tips about Johnny. That site has gone offline within the last three to four months. Oh. Just because, like, it's been there for a long time, or is it? I don't know. I do not know. I was talking to some people on this Johnny Gosh dis, uh, on this Johnny Gosh Facebook group, and I was like, "Where can I find Noreen's book?" Because even though we're doing the podcast on it, and I haven't read her book. I still would like to read her book and get all the information that she has, right? And they were like, well, johnnygosh.com is the only place that I know that you can get it, but johnnygosh.com is no longer online. And I was like, well, what do you mean it's no longer online? And I guess somebody on that group used the Wayback Machine, which is a, if you don't know what it is, it's a website that you can go to and type in, like, MySpace and put the year is 1990 or something. Like, I don't know when the internet was invented, but you can, like, literally go look at MySpace from 1999 if you wanted to. Like, it's called the Wayback Machine. It's a thing. It exists. And whoever did the research on the Wayback Machine found that it's been taken down in the last three to four months. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you have any closing words about Johnny or... Noreen or anything? Uh, fuck all of this. Just fuck it all. Just wait until you hear the next podcast that I want to do. Oh, jeez. Probably <laughs> about missing children again and terribleness, huh? Well, this one's particularly about child murder and a horrible father, oh, but you know. Geez. You just hate everything. Hate the world, don't you, Kazaya? I don't hate everything. I don't hate the world. I think it's important to talk about things that um, either don't get talked about or have gotten talked about so much when they initially happened, like the Casey Anthony case. The The only reason I wanted to cover the Casey Anthony case, I didn't think I had any new information on it, but the reason I wanted to cover the Casey Anthony case was because it was covered so long ago and people got so annoyed with the coverage when it happened that nobody wants to talk about the Casey Anthony case anymore. So I just wanted to bring it back up to the light and allow people to take another look at it. It's the same reason that I want to cover the Chris Watts case because it has been so beaten to death with a stick that people don't want people didn't want to hear about it for a long time. So you got a new stick and now you want to beat it over the head again. I just want to bring it back up to the light, give it a couple of taps and let people look at it one more time. So, did you have any parting words for the listeners of our podcast today? Yeah. Uh, fuck all of this. <laughs> I mean, yes. Um, also, Noreen Gosh is a badass. Yes. Uh, other than her, she seems to be quite the badass mom. Quite the badass mom. Alrighty. But yeah. Fuck all the other stuff. Oh, yeah. Fuck it all. Fuck pedophiles. Fuck bad police. Fuck bad FBI. Fuck it all. Fuck it all. Alrighty. Do you want to plug your stuff one last time? And I'll plug the podcast Instagram page and we'll call it a close. 
Yeah, Dragon Ball. Uh, yeah, not Dragon Ball. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Blazer Productions on the Facebook, the YouTube, the Instagram, and then uh, Dragon at Dragon Blazer Pro on uh, Twitter. If you have any information about this case, you can contact us. If you have information on this case, maybe you should tell the, the badass. But you know, you can also contact <laughs> yeah. us if you really want to. Um, we also have the, uh, we're keeping the Instagram page the same as it was. So we're keeping the unsolved underscore comedies Instagram page. You can also contact us on there. If you have any cases that you want us to cover or any information, we'd love to hear from you guys. Contact us. Yes. <laughs> instead of, instead of trying to help us solve because we're not anybody special, we're just, We'll just try to contact the people that you need to contact to solve the case. Yes. Also, if you guys want an episode on John Walsh's son, because I didn't know about John Walsh's son until recently, let us know and we'll cover that as well. And then eventually we will uh, uh, start covering the second volume of Unsolved Comedies. Yes. Sorry, guys. I am still in the process of getting settled into... Um, the new area that I'm in. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but pretty soon we should be able to jump back into the unsolved mystery stuff. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited too, because not only do we get ghost episode that I will be covering, but we have an episode on there that is from uh, our hometown. So mm-hmm. That's uh, that ought to be cool. Yes, it is super cool. It's a case I never knew about. Um, if you guys don't know, like, there's all kinds of weird stuff about our hometown. We've got, like, a bunch of haunted buildings. We have a haunted prison. And I never knew about this case. Yeah. So that ought to be interesting on uh, the Unsolved Comedies. So we will eventually get to those. Uh, just hold tight. They're coming. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And thank you, Stephen, for being, you know, the humor to cut the cut the tension. <laughs> <laughs> not much to laugh about with this case it's all terrible it is it's all horrible well which i guess you know uh one might say that that got dark very quickly yes <laughs> night everybody have a great night guys hey everyone i'm steven from many different podcasts like Drunk Like Me, Pro Wrestling Apologist, The Rage and Blaze Show, and of course, That Got Dark. So, please, like and subscribe 